0: This is your Tuesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a great day today. If I sound um a little tired today, maybe it's because I was at a concert on uh, on Monday night. Took the uh, my wife and I took our daughters to the Jojo Siwa concert at Target Center. It was a ton of fun, but uh yeah, I'm not used to doing things quite like that for a while now, and so uh, maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit of energy drain last night. But I'm, I'm, I'm rallying right now, um, knowing that, uh, knowing that I'm excited to talk about all these things today, coming up in the show a little bit later. Jim Suhan will join me, of course, columnist for the Star Tribune. We're going to talk about, um, talk about a bunch of things, including Lindsay Whalen and her job status, how she's doing, what Jim thinks of. Kind of how how much time she should be given to turn this program around, because it has not been going great so far, if we're being honest. So uh, a little bit on that with Jim, some talk about the Timberwolves with Jim, um, and some talk about the NFL hiring coaching process, including the search that led the Vikings to hire Kevin O'Connell. So plenty of good stuff coming up with Jim Suhan in a little bit. Have to revisit some NBA trade deadline stuff. Jim and I got into that a little bit with the Timberwolves, but there's a big discussion brewing with the uh, with the 76ers and the Nets. <clears throat> that is frankly pretty interesting to me as well. But first, what did I miss? Jesse Diggins did it again. The skier from Afton, Minnesota raced very early for us on Tuesday morning and became the first women's cross-country skier from the U.S. to win an individual uh, medal at the Beijing Games. She, she took the bronze and the women's freestyle sprint, finishing in a time of 3 minutes 12 seconds and th- 3 minutes 12.84 seconds um, you had kind of worked her way up through the uh, through the different heats, had the second fastest time in the quarterfinals, did just fine in the semifinals, and then took home the bronze. Um, that was very recently. Uh, you know, sounds like it was a cold day there. I'm just reading from Rachel Blount's very fresh story, StarTribune.com. You should go and check that out. I'm sure there'll be more detail as the day goes on, including some com- you know some some more comments from from Jesse Diggins, but no just an amazing um, amazing uh, set of events again for Jessie Diggins of course at the at last uh, at the last winter olympics in 2018 she uh, she had partnered with Keegan Randall won the gold in the sprint the team sprint event in in those olympics and you know this time around you know this is these these sprint races in 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 cross country skiing are just just brutally, you remember her collapsing at the finish line last time with that with that uh, with the race she did in 2018, and then you know this time it's just it's, it's it's kind of the same thing. It's just all out. It's like you know watching a track race where you know it's somewhere between the distance and somewhere between a distance and a sprint race where you're just going as fast as you can, but it's not just for you know a minute. You know, for in her case it was a little over three minutes to to be going all out for that. Long of a time is just it's it's really hard I mean think about hockey shifts. Think about when you watch a hockey game. those guys are going all out, but their shifts are usually about forty five seconds, so and when they get to the back to the bench, they are gassed a, a A race like this is four four or five times as long as that uh just physically exhausting to be going all out for that length of time so congratulations to Jesse Diggins. She's got more races coming up, of course, in these games. Um, now, I admit I haven't watched a whole lot of Olympics yet, haven't really gotten into it yet. I'm sure I will. It kind of takes me a little time to warm up to them a lot of times as the, uh, as the events go on, but um, this is this is a race I'm going to want to go back and watch again for sure because that's just the drama of a sprint race like that captures me and uh, I'm looking forward to that. So, again, congrats to Jesse Diggins and more to come from her at these games. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake where every day is play day. Like to welcome back Jim Suhan, Star Tribune columnist, to Daily Delivery. Jim's written a couple things lately that I wanted to pick his brain on a little bit more. But uh, before that, just saying hi, Jim. How you doing?
1: You know, I think I'm okay. Um, Other other than winter and COVID, and uh, but you know what? For once, we don't really have to complain about the local sports teams. That's true. I mean, the the Wolves are a blast. The Wilds a blast. well, I guess we could find local sports teams to complain about, but I I think the fact that the Timberwolves are actually both good and fun and good in a sustainable way it, it does brighten the winter for me. I
0: agree, and we'll get to the Wolves in a little bit. And I but maybe before we duck out of that thought, you know, when they made the playoffs a few years ago in that Jimmy Butler season, the whole year still felt like kind of this joyless march to forty-seven wins. This feel this feels different, even if they're not. Probably as good as that team was.
1: And you know why it felt like a joyless march to 47 wins? Because, because it was? it was a joyless march to 47 wins. We all knew there was nothing sustainable about any of that. Tom Thibodeau's personality, uh, the way people in the organization reacted to Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler being a complete uh, – what word can I use on a to Community Podcast – uh, jerk is probably the nice, generic good. word yeah. to use. Um, I mean, it, it had no chance of, of lasting at all. And it was a talented team. It was an interesting team to watch, but it was never fun. This team's no. actually fun.
0: Yes, agreed. And we'll talk about them more in a little bit. I wanted to talk to you about column you wrote um, for, I believe it was for Monday's paper, about Lindsey Whalen and just the direction of that Gophers women's basketball program. And you had been at, getting asked a lot of the same things I've been getting asked, and frankly, that I've wondered a little bit out loud about like you know, this is year four for Lindsay Whalen in that program, you know, hired right out of right out of the links. Even she was still playing for the Lynx when she got hired. No previous coaching experience, but you know, fantastic player that probably doesn't even do justice to her impact. But they've they've not been, you know, not been great on the court. And so the, you know, the rumblings of how long does she get to turn this program into what they hope it can be, and you tackled that subject uh, in, Monday, in Monday's paper.
1: Yeah, and listen, it's absolutely fair to question the direction of the program and to say that they haven't done enough, that they haven't won enough, because they haven't won enough. Uh, I still go back to what I said and thought at the time, which is, you know, most Big Ten coaches, they have to win one or two or three or four other places just to get a chance to take over a Big Ten program. Lindsay Whalen hadn't coached a day in her life. And I remember talking to Cheryl Reeve about this. And Cheryl wasn't criticized. Cheryl was thrilled that Lindsay got the job and thinks she'll still think she'll succeed. But she was saying, you know, I asked her what's the difference. She said, you know, when you're a player, you do your work in two, three hour spurts. You've there's a point of diminishing returns on your body. You can only work out so hard. You can only work out so long. And you go take naps in the afternoon and you come back and play the games. And everything's this, you know, these condensed bursts of hard work. When you're a coach of a program at any level, you're responsible for everything. You get asked to make 100 decisions a day. It is incredibly difficult. It's wearing. It's why we see coaches burn out. It's why we see so many coaches be grumpy. I think the learning, I think even those of us who thought it would be a large learning curve, still underestimated the learning curve. Uh, And I think, you know, she's also coached a couple of players that left the program. I think both were Stallings uh, recruits. I'm sure Lindsay came in and said, we're going to do things this way. I'm not sure it was all that well-received. So for me, especially given where that program has been in general, when they haven't had Lindsey Whalen on the roster, I'm very willing to wait until I see what she does with a couple of great recruiting classes. Now, if if Lindsey Whalen gets to a point where she's recruited unprecedented recruiting classes to that campus, and as seniors, they still haven't won anything, then I think you have to say, okay, well, maybe she's not – maybe she's – even if she's a great recruiter, she's not a good coach. But I don't think we know enough about her yet as a coach to make any – uh, even non-hasty judgments at this point.
0: I agree with that. And another thing that and I had Pam Borton, the former Gophers coach on the show a couple of weeks ago, one thing she was saying about, you know, coaching, and especially as it relates to Whalen is, you know, when you're a player, especially like Whalen, you're wired a certain way to be just competitive, more competitive than m- almost anybody else we know. And, you know, she might not, you know, she's got kind of a, an understated way of showing it sometimes, but it definitely comes out. She is a fierce competitor. When you're a coach, you all of a sudden have to depend on other people to have that within you. And you can only motivate them so much. And I wonder if that's an adjustment point for her too, just like understanding that, you know, she has to let other people do, you know, she has to push the right buttons to get people motivated. Maybe she's motivated in a certain way and other people have to be motivated in a different way.
1: And there is a long history in at high level sports of great players, not necessarily turning into great coaches or managers because they're like, well, why didn't you just do what I did? You know, and whether it's their level of competitiveness or their skill, other people can't do it. Some other, a lot of other people can't even relate to it. And here's Whalen who is the greatest winner in Minnesota history, uh, who's won at everything she's ever done, who hates losing and she's having to, Coach players that she didn't necessarily recruit, who might be okay with being 500, or might be okay with you know having a losing record, and I I'm not sure she's known how to do because her realm of experience is Olympians and Maya Moore and Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles and Cheryl Reeve, and now since she takes over a program that frankly has not been a good program when she hasn't been involved in it in general, and you know, and I'm not getting this from Lindsay, I'm getting this from people around Lindsay. I think it has been a shock to her system that. Anybody who steps on a basketball court can't do what she did and doesn't necessarily think the way she thought.
0: Now you are close. You're close with Paul Molitor, another you know, fantastic player who made that transition into the dugout. Obviously in baseball, how did he deal with that?
1: I actually was really impressed with the way Paul dealt with it uh, because I did wonder. You know, Paul carried himself like a Hall of Famer, even for people who liked him and who was, he was very accessible to. He still. There was, it was the Paul Molitor experience, you know, yes, I'm going to talk to you and yes, I'm going to be accessible and I'm going to tell you a funny story, but hey, I am Paul Molitor, you know, there's, there's a presence around people like that. And I found when he became manager, he really submerged his ego. And what I really liked about him as a manager is so I would see him talking to the 25th guy in the roster. I would see him talking about guys to, talk to guys about getting sent down or getting called up and saying, "Hey, we're going to find a role." I thought he handled it really well. I if he had a failing as a manager, uh, it might have been just that he didn't think the way that the the new front office thought. You know, I think the new front office is like, okay, our data says that Jake Odorizzi should be pulled after you know. 74 pitches after that point he gets hammered and milder took the player view which is well if we don't let him pitch past 74 pitches he's never going to get good at pitching past 74 pitches. you know so so I think it was more of that uh that and the fact that the new guys were going to hire their own person eventually anyway so he was kind of a lame duck I think that's what doomed his twins managing career I thought he was a really smart manager and a very good guy to be around Uh, but I also think he's really rare I think most people in that situation use their fame and their accomplishments as kind of a shield to ward off criticism rather than kind of taking it down so they can show some humility.
0: Now you talked about Whalen's recruiting class coming in, I believe it's next year. I think it's ranked in the top 10, maybe even number seven. Yep. A lot of in state recruits and very good ones at, at that. Um, so, obviously, that's you know, I'm going to say buying her time, but that's that's kind of this you know this kind of arc of light in the, in the, in the distance and, and, and frankly, some better performances of late from this year's team too. good win against Michigan state the other day, close against Indiana the other day as well. So, so starting to piece it together a little bit more, but, you know, as we think about these recruits, like you said, you know, if they get to be seniors and they're still not getting this done on the court, do we go that far? Like when do you want to see improvement on the court to be, you know, say, routinely challenging to be in the NCAA tournament? Because I don't think they've even gotten to that point yet.
1: Well, the thing I don't want to do for a program that really, again, has not been very good in general is I don't want to say, okay, boy, you know, you have to have these artificial time constructs. And, boy, if they're not good as juniors, then you got to fire Lindsay. Well, what if they were about to be good as seniors? You know, I just think think that this is not uh, UConn. You know, this is not Maryland with Brenda Freaks. This is a place that has had trouble uh, attracting good coaches. It's a place that has had trouble att- attracting high-level talent. Uh, let's just—I just don't see any reason for impatience yet. And maybe there will be a point where I see, I see something and say, "Okay, that the team's just not well coached," or "Okay, they, that, these players haven't gotten better." But I don't want to pretend there's—I I just don't see any reason to put up an artificial. Deadline for it. Let, let's wait and see what happens. Uh, I'm really interested to see how Whalen's teams will play when point guards and guards she recruited to be her point guards get to run her stuff. You know, that's what I'm really interested in because it's pretty obvious that Jasmine Powell and Lindsay were not necessarily on the same page. And what we saw with Whalen back in her playing days was, as soon as you had the right coach with the right point guard, that program took off
0: coaching is not easy let's reduce it to that and move to another coach who has no head coaching experience either kevin o'connell new vikings coach presumably at least unless something weird happens after the super bowl another you know like i said no head coaching experience he's coming from the rams where he's been a successful offensive coordinator this year but you know young 36 it's kind of the way of the league right now what did you think of that process and ultimately landing on Kevin O'Connell?
1: In general, I think I like the process. I'm impressed that they went out and hired uh, Kwezi Adolfo Mensa. the way they did it, the fact they're entrusting their program to somebody that young. Um, I'm glad they had an open mind when it came to diversity candidates uh, and everything I've heard about Kwezi was he basically, they kept on trying to find negatives on him and they couldn't find any and they had, Good sources, Stefanski, people in the 49ers organization, people around the league. So I like that. I like the fact that it was a pretty intriguing finalist group, Harbaugh, completely different from Patrick Graham, completely different from Kevin O'Connell. You know, D'Amico Rhines, I think, could have been a really interesting uh, candidate if he had wanted the job at this point or, or felt like he was going to get the job at this point. Um, and... I'm blanking. And, uh, Raheem Morris was the last Morris, one. Morris. I'm sorry. Raheem Morris, the other Rams uh, coordinator. Uh, I think that's a really interesting group. And you know, part of me kind of wishes Harbaugh had gotten the job. just because He's a really weird, interesting guy, and he's a great NFL coach. Um, I can't guarantee it would have worked, or he would have been the right personality for what they're looking for, but I would have been really intrigued by that. Part of me wishes that uh, Ryan's wanted the job. Part of me is intrigued by Morris and Ram, although – you know, there's certain, certainly some question marks around them just in terms of experience and past experience, all that. It's hard to argue with O'Connell's tree. It's like, you know, we it wasn't that long ago we were making Sean McVeigh jokes, you know, oh boy, anybody, you know, if you, somebody had lunch with him, you got to hire him. Well, the reality is, everybody who's been hired off the of staff has ended up being really good. It's hard to argue with that. Uh, you can't, it doesn't guarantee that O'Connell's going to be good, but it does pique my interest. Yeah, I
0: think that's a fair way to put it. And going offense instead of defense makes a certain amount of sense. You know, the we all we often talk about the rule of opposites in coaching hires. You can't get a whole lot more opposite of Mike Zimmer than a you know thirty something offensive coach. That said, in the midst of their whole process, in the midst of making this hire, um, you get the you get the lawsuit from Brian Flores, the former Dolphins coach, and you know I I think it's. A certain, certainly, just studying it on its merit, it seems like there is a lot there with the coaching patterns and coaching hires in the NFL. The Vikings had two black head coaching candidates, and they passed on both of them. Now, I'm not saying they were wrong to do that. I'm, I'm not saying they can't pick the candidate they want to pick, but it certainly added a different dimension to how a lot of people, including myself, thought about the ultimate way they went about that.
1: Yeah, and... To me, if you're going to interview Jim Harbaugh, whose main calling card is that he was an excellent NFL head coach a number of years ago, I don't know why you wouldn't interview Jim Caldwell. Uh, To me, doing what Caldwell did with the Lions, doing what he did with the Colts anytime he had a healthy quarterback, his winning percentage is off the charts when he has a quarterback who doesn't have a broken neck. Um, To me, winning with the Lions is the equivalent of Jim Harbaugh getting – Uh, the 49ers, the NFC championship game three times in a row. So I would like to see Caldwell interviewed. I still think Leslie Frazier got a raw deal here and deserves another chance. Uh, Brian Flores. Hey, (laughs) if you want to prove to Brian Flores that uh, it's not a racist league? How about interviewing for jobs like this? Um, And I, and honestly, I think I probably would have come down really hard on the Vikings in terms of their hiring practices if they hadn't hired a young black inexperienced general manager and if they hadn't uh, elevated Kevin Warren so high in their organization at a time when he was the highest ranking business side uh, black executive in the league. So, you know, it, it's really hard to, to crack down the Vikings because of that recent history. Uh, but if they didn't have that history, I would look at this and say, OK, I hired a inexperienced inexperienced 36 year old white guy when there's some great experienced black coaches out there.
0: Yep, I think that's a fair way to put it. Couple more things I want to hit with you, Jim. We talked about the Wolves a little bit at the start. What what's intriguing to you in particular about this team, and what, if anything, would you do in the next few days before the trading deadline?
1: I would be really careful before the trading deadline. Uh, and the cool thing is, I think that the Timberwolves fan base, although it's not necessarily showing up in droves right now, whether because of COVID or you know history or whatever else, I, I think. There's a large, intelligent Timberwolves fan base. And a lot of the people I follow and talk to are like, hey, don't, don't mess this up. This is great. You know, this is, this is a team that plays hard, that has depth, plays together, has good chemistry, is well coached, has a coach who gets through to these players. Don't make a move just to make a move. Don't throw away assets, you know, to improve your team by 1%. I would be really happy to see this team not make a move and just see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, you know, two months ago when they were kind of scuffling a little bit, I was like, yeah, that kind of feels like they're on the verge of needing to shake this up. It just seemed like something wasn't quite clicking with this team and the offense wasn't working the way it was supposed to. And now, you know, it's probably a good reminder that we are impatient a little bit these days and that sometimes you just need to let players play together for a while before you really know what they can do.
1: And listen, if you're a Timberwolves fan and you're impatient, it, there's a reason for that. It's a horrible franchise. It's been a horrible franchise for 30 years, uh, but this feels different. Uh, it feels like a very rational front office. Let's be honest. Gerson Rosas, however he exited, made some hellacious traits. Um, Gupta seems like a really savvy guy. Uh, Finch I think is an excellent coach and a very likable coach you got I mean I just like everything about this team right now and that's that's very rare for me when it comes to the Timberwolves um, so just don't yeah don't mess this up and listen if they keep playing this way expectations will get ratcheted up in the offseason and then maybe they'll feel more pressure to make some kind of a deal that will make them more of a contender for a top four seed right now I don't think they should feel pressured I think I think people are enjoying this. I think they, they should be allowed to enjoy this.
0: Last thought for you, Jim. What's more likely? Wolves finish in the top six and avoid the play-in, or the Wild make it to the Western Conference Finals?
1: Oh, I think the Wolves have that, – that's a much easier task for the Wolves. Uh, I think they're playing well. They're, they've really gotten past the more difficult part of their schedule. Uh, top six is a very realistic goal. Uh, the Wild are a good team. And they play well. I and, mean, once again, a team with, with smart management, good coaching, cohesiveness, young talent. I, it, but it's hockey. It's just harder to bet on a team getting to the conference finals. A lot of things can go wrong, including your goalie having a slump at the wrong time or a puck bouncing funny. Uh, basketball is a much more rational sport. And I think uh, top succeed is a much easier ask.
0: Bill Guerin's going to have to go get like some kind of honorary fancy degree from somewhere with all the uh, big degrees in uh, Vikings, Wolves, and uh, and Twinsland, isn't he? Uh,
1: Yeah, you know, it's okay to have an everyman, kind of an average average dude, just kind of succeed. Uh, I don't think you need to have a bunch of letters after your name. That's why I I never talk about my PhDs, you know? (laughs) Multiple. Maybe I, I don't have any, many, still, many PhDs. You can come them. and
0: look at my office. Look at my exactly. wall. They're they're all hanging on my wall right now.
1: <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, hey, I, I really think garen has done a heck of a job too. Uh, and and you know what? I think now that Prezi and Suter are gone, I think this is a, that's a fairly likable uh room and franchise. And I really didn't find them all that likable when Prezi and Suter were whining behind the scenes.
0: Yep. Agree with all that. Jim, good stuff. Anything coming up that you want to, you want to plug a little bit here?
1: I hope to write out the Minnesota Aurora sometime this week. I I really think it's a cool thing that they're doing and I really like the way they're doing it. Uh, I might have an Odell Beckham, Beckham column later this week. I might, you know, I I never wanted him lumped in with all the other so-called diva wide receivers. And I think he's showing why he shouldn't have been, uh, I'll be really interested in the Super Bowl. I think it's a really interesting matchup and, uh, Yeah, Tom Hoagie uh, column out in the Tuesday paper and hope to write more about Tom as uh, the Masters person here.
0: Awesome, Jim. Great stuff. We'll catch up with you soon, all right? Thanks, Mike. Good catching up with Jim Suhan, as always, and the talk we had about the Timberwolves and a potential trade deadline deal and about Marcus Smart, Malik Beasley, reminded me that uh, NBA, NFL, all trades like that are all about leverage, and so I'm Reading after that, I'm reading a couple different things. One, reading a report in ESPN.com about a potential Nets 76ers blockbuster with James Harden and Ben Simmons. And uh, reading a tweet from Jeremy Fowler uh, talking about Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings' new head coach, conveying a belief in Kirk Cousins doing during the interview process. I'm told he's high on him. The front office must decide on Cousins' future due to his $45 million cap hit, which we have talked about ad nauseum on this podcast and Access Vikings. Uh, but Fowler continues, many coaches interviewing for the job liked Cousins. O'Connell included, yeah, of course, what's he going to say? I don't like him. you, you got to create leverage in these situations. And I don't, I don't doubt for a minute that Kevin O'Connell probably likes Kirk Cousins. He worked with him for a year in Washington. It was not... Kirk Cousins' most successful season, 2017, but it was kind of a lame duck season for Kirk Cousins there in Washington that season. He probably knew he was moving on in free agency after that year and, as it turns out, moving on to the Vikings. Um, but I wouldn't read too much into that. I think the Vikings could very well end up keeping Kirk Cousins, but the fact that Kevin O'Connell has said he likes Kirk Cousins doesn't tell me anything about what might happen down the road because you do not create any kind of leverage by saying you you know you don't like someone, because then all of a sudden teams start to swoop in thinking you want to get rid of this guy. So that is leverage point number one. Leverage point number two is this Nets Seventy Sixers proposal, um, which is just kind of baffling to me. That James Harden is seemingly trying to to push his way out of. Brooklyn now, almost just barely a year after pushing his way out of Houston, and he's doing it with lackadaisical play, and that's just unprofessional to me. um And it's 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 just if if he's trying to you know trying to move on to Philadelphia by by these by these means by not playing well by not performing up to his standards, that's I, I can't respect that. I can't think of another I can't think of another situation where I would even come close to respecting that. I can't imagine a player like. Michael Jordan, LeBron James like underplaying, underperforming to try to get traded. That's just that just says to me that that's a, that's a lack of professionalism and a lack of class. That said, this potential Harden for Ben Simmons trade is fascinating to me cuz cuz you know the the 76ers have been playing this very tight um you know trying to ride this out with Ben Simmons and still having a good year even though Ben Simmons has not stepped on the court that would be a major coup for them if they were able to flip Ben Simmons for James Harden and I don't know what that would mean exactly for uh for the Nets but you know they already have Kyrie Irving they already have Kevin Durant I wonder if Ben Simmons might be a slightly better fit there a little bit of defense a little bit of size things like that so all things aside, leverage being what it is in these types of deals. I'm intrigued by that one more than anything else. Um, just, just because it seems like there might be a fit there. So trade deadline is Thursday. We'll see if anything happens with that. We'll see if anything happens with the Timberwolves. I'm like, like Jim and I talked about, I'm more inclined to think they should stand pat, but you know, I also do love a good trade when it happens because it's fun to talk about. So trade deadline Thursday. We will see. Maybe a blockbuster in the works with James Harden and Ben Simmons. Let's finish with the cooler. Lovey Smith gets another chance as head coach. The Houston Texans have hired Smith to be their next head coach. Kind of love this. I love his big white beard. And I think he's had uh, enough success in this league to warrant another chance. Remember, he took the Bears to a Super Bowl with Rex Grossman as his quarterback. Which is roughly the equivalent of winning five Super Bowls with Tom Brady as your quarterback or however many Belichick won. Probably was six, I think, is with Brady as his quarterback. So good for Lovey Smith. Um, good for the league to have him back in head coaching. And, uh, yeah, just kind of a, a, cool kind of out of the, out of the, out of the box. Did not see that one coming, um, higher by the Texans. So, um, you know, that should pretty much, that'll, you know, close the loop on a lot of these hiring cycles and uh, you know we'll see at the end of the day who which team ends up making the uh, making the hire that has the most influence will it be the Vikings with Kevin O'Connor will it be someone else I'm not sure but uh, go good for the Texans going with lovey Smith that will do it for today be back at it again Wednesday should have tons of good stuff to talk about Timberwolves in action wild in action uh, and we'll get you again on Wednesday.